Nice. Yeah. All right. So uh, we're doing, you know, Valpolicella. Valpolicella, but also sort of just like I guess uh, Amarone-ish region wines. So I have a mm-hmm. Valpolicella Classico Superiore, but I also have a um, Rosso Veronese, which nice. is like sort of a baby Amarone kind of thing. But regardless, whatever we're having, it's all the same grapes, more or less. Um, we got uh, we got Corvina, we got Rondinella, we got uh, Molinara, and Molinara. Uh, uh, Corovinone, mm-hmm. and uh, Croatina. Mm-hmm. I don't. I've never heard of that one before, but there you go. Yep. So. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So you know, they're they're delicious and they're made all in similar ways. I guess the uh, Amarone is made in the most like cost intensive sort of way, but well, all of them are uh, made in the same sort of apasamento process yeah. of drying the grapes. Yeah, uh, it's the most like intensive, but it was apparently originally, and this is me halfway remembering a discussion with an Italian winemaker that I had mm-hmm. three years ago. Um, but part of why they started making um, Amarone back in the day mm-hmm. was because they couldn't get these grapes that they had fully ripe, uh, Corvina and Rondinella. Mm. Um, so they would pick them. And uh-huh. Corvina, particularly, Corvi- uh, um, along with uh, the other the other two main ones, are mm-hmm. sort of special in... Um, viticulture because they will continue to ripen once you've picked them. Oh, so they're like other, interesting. they're other, they're like other fruits. Like they won't, they won't, um, you won't see them start to like sort of rot as quickly. Like mm-hmm. they're not, I think that's because they have like higher, um, higher starch in them, more like a table grape, say. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, when you pick them, they'll continue to ripen like a banana would. Mm-hmm. M- a little bit um and it's not really that they ripen it's actually kind of related to and i don't know if we've talked about this in the past uh, uh but when you're ripening grapes to pick them most of the studies show that there's a moment where you stop actually getting the production of sugar and an mm-hmm. increase in bricks as a measurement of like sugar to the overall weight or like content right. of the liquid is mm-hmm. the product of um, dehydration in the in the grape. So you you get to a certain point of sugar, and then any further concentration is actually just loss of water. But the the the, the plant isn't actually being able to manufacture more carbohydrate content for the fruit itself. Right. Um, so one of the things that's really great about these varietals or one of the things that was figured out a long time ago and is part of why these are what is grown there is that they were able to pick them when they were basically as ripe as they could get them and then just Mm -hmm. store them for a little while Hmm. and they would continue to the sugars would continue to saturate and the tannin structure would sort of develop in a not in a in a non um problematic way and uh-huh. then they could make wine out of it when they got it to, like, a point that they could. And the weather might have turned, and it wouldn't have done them any good to leave it on the vine. Like, they just had right, to right. harvest for whatever the, like, cons- logistical constraints of harvest are, because that's a huge topic that, you know, 
is mm-hmm. important to a lot of uh, wine history that people don't think about because people never think about labor because Marxism, communism, all that bullshit. Um, but like this particular uh, like Amarone as a style was kind of like it's like you know necessity is the mother of invention of invention like that really beautiful style of winemaking and I, even the wine that I'm drinking. Uh, it's it's um, fresh grapes mixed with slightly dried ones is what it says on the back label, um, oh, cool. because those varietals, in a way that's almost unique, ha- actually will like phenologically de- uh, develop once you've picked them, which is very very valuable to how they make their wine there in that whole mm-hmm. region. Um, nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I was like sort of thinking like, uh, do we bring up the whole like phenolic ripeness versus sugar ripeness in terms of the um you know after basically exactly what you described where you can yep. only develop sugar up to a certain point and then mm-hmm. it's dehydration whatever and then you just did it and i was like all right well i guess we're going with that <laughs> sorry <laughs> fuck it no, 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 it's good it's we'll good do a live no so the, no. the, the winemaker that i was saying i was having this conversation with it was funny he'd come to oregon and he wanted to learn about our viticultural practices here because he wanted to try and figure out ways that they could do a better job of ripening their grapes and just hmm. just make wine out like just just through viticulture yeah. you know uh advance their ripening cycle so that they could mm-hmm. you know pick ripe fruit and not have to because it takes huge infrastructure they have to have these big warehouses that right, they right. um have these big fan arrays in so they can circulate the air and then they lay the clusters out on trays so it is like you know it's it's kind of that classic like the what the the whole world of wine is just this really funny like especially varietals like this and it's part of why i love italy so much but they're just all of these mm-hmm. little like well we can solve this problem right now and it might create this other huge problem but we'll mm-hmm. we'll get to that later it's like how in right in france um their caves like the the the, the their their cellar practices are sort of just like a well we just can we just have a bunch of caves and you know, mm-hmm. back in the day, land was cheap mm-hmm. enough, so it was just like, oh, we just uh, just put all the barrels one high in a cave. Yeah. And, um, oh, hey, <laughs> it's like the perfect climactic conditions to do this. This is actually ideal. Right. Ah, wild. Yeah. We don't have to do any sort of, like, OSHA sphincter-clenching <laughs> OSHA maneuvers. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, the... Wait, so wait, but if, if they were, like, going to pick it earlier and they would bypass the step where they dry the grapes out, wouldn't that just significantly change the wine? It probably like, Is that what they would. were trying it's, to do? It's, it's a, it was an interesting conversation because the guy was like, well, yeah, we want to... Basically, they just wanted to have, like, more control over the whole process. Like, it would just mm-hmm. be nice for them to be able to pick more ripe fruit and then dry it, you know, like, dry as much as they wanted to make Amarone out of. And then, yeah, because because that's the other thing is like you're not making Amar- you're making Amarone like Amarone is sort of like a cut of mm-hmm. the production like it's the best stuff, um, yeah. And and made out of just gr- dried grapes, but then if you're also mm-hmm. making like a Valpolicella, you have to use the grapes that are ripe when you pick it. So if you can like control the ratio of all of that out in the vineyard, it's like mm-hmm. it's like the classic statement is like wine is made in the vineyard. Um, yeah, the yeah. more that you can do right in the vineyard, the less the less logistical hassles you'll deal with in the winery, mm-hmm. and almost all right. of a winery's logistical hassles are much worse because the like um, 
Well, that's that's not true, but the uh, the time frame changes pretty significantly. Like the, the the amount of time you have to solve a problem, um, mm-hmm. you know, is is uh, orders of magnitude smaller. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it takes a hundred days from from uh, from bloom to from bloom to harvest on average, and then you know it takes about a month to get stuff in the door and then you know put to barrel. So, like what a third yeah. of the time yeah 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 the uh yeah, um, yeah you want to start talking about the wines themselves or uh yeah i was gonna say that the region is northwestern italy mm-hmm. so like if you're looking at italy as the boot and you know the eastern part is the heel down at the bottom um you're looking at like basically the the knee like the you know like the inside of the knee if the boot goes mm-hmm. all the way up to the it's a big tall sexy boot um, it's like if you're imagining it worn by an Italian dominatrix, which uh, most of us are, yeah, as one yeah, does. Yeah, it's um. So the main city. So it's it's kind of fun because this is all the. Uh, this is the region around um, Verona and Padua. So this is like classic, um, classic Shakespeare territory. Hmm. Like when Shakespeare would, you know, set stuff in Italy. Um, but yeah, uh, let's uh, let's talk about these these wines, my guy. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So I have a bottle of 2017 uh, Tomasi. The name of the producer. Uh, oh, super classic. Yeah, really good nice. producer. Yeah, Tomasi. Their uh, Valpolicella is a Classico Superiore. Um, Raphael is the name of the like cuvee or the uh-huh. wine or the wine uh-huh. or whatever. Nice. Um, and uh, yeah, and then the other one I got is um, uh, let's see where uh, Gamba G A M B A mm-hmm. is the name of the producer. Oh, cool. And um, yeah, this is uh, uh, Rosso Veronese, which is a separate like. So I guess I don't know. Should we describe like in order in order for something to be labeled as uh, Amarone della Valpolicella or Valpolicella uh, Classico Superiore or Rosso Veronese like those are all categorizations in order for a wine to be labeled as such it needs to meet these certain like specifications and they vary widely based on uh, like the, the, you know the, what like whatever the region is so France they're totally different than Italy but also like between like two different regions in the French they can be widely different and even two yeah. sub-regions within the same region so it, it, it varies widely so you can't really make any sort of like general statements about the specific wine um, without knowing more about the specific place essentially but you know uh, conversely if you know a lot about let's say Valpolicella Classico Superiore you can look at that wine and say oh well, legally it has to be it has to match these sort of like characteristics and has to be made out of these grapes and you know made according to these certain specifications so you can look at a wine and sort of anticipate what it's going to be like before you taste it or open it or try it or whatever yeah um so yeah so rosso veronese like i didn't know what this wine was when i picked it up but it was it was with all the other like five polychels and amarones and stuff and i was like oh this is here uh, it's like 15 bucks i'm gonna get it you know so i got it and then i looked it up and um it's a gambi one even though they don't have or gambo wine sorry even though they don't say it on the front um and yeah so it's made uh in a similar manner yeah uh and with with care 
with care. So, um, yeah, I'm drinking a uh, Buglioni um, Valpolicella Superiore uh, mm-hmm. Classico. Um, and they have a very fun, like, their, it's referred to, like, the, I guess, the name of the cuvee. So the thing about, like, Italian wine labeling and is that, like, there will be, like, the, the brand will be the brand, so Buglioni, and then mm-hmm. the specific wine they're making is, like, kind of its own thing. Like, that's, mm. like, they won't, often there won't be, like, more than one of, like, whichever type it is, like, if they're doing, uh-huh. like, a Rapasso or, a, or an Amarone or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it will. And then and then they'll have, like, the subname, and in this case, this is called... Uh, Le imperfetto, which I like. Mm-hmm. It's the imperfect. Yeah. Um, it's a fun name nice. for it. But, uh, but yeah, so I don't, I'm trying to look up. I don't necessarily know what the exact rules for uh, Valpolicella Superior Classico are, but there's like Classico. So this is a DOC. It's not a DOCG. Um, those mm-hmm. are two things that the studious listener will find on the little collars that Italian wine labels have on their on their capsules. They'll say DOC, DOCG, and then there's a subcategorization below DOC, and I forget what that one is. But um, DOC, those are all designations of um, relationship to Italian wine law in France, like AOC, appellation is what you'll get. And in Italy, it's uh, denomination. Um, so de- DOC is Denominazione di Origine Controllata, uh, and then DOCG has some. It's uh, uh, there's another word in there. Garantita. Garantita. Like yeah, because it's Gar- it's supposed to be yeah. a finer designation. Like there are more rules about what you're drinking. There are more rules governing what you're drinking. So to label that, they had to prove more uh, for it to be a DOCG as opposed to a DOC. But the inverse. Kind of the, the inverse of that whole thing is that several great winemakers in both France and Italy will make wines outside of DOC or DOCG classifications yeah. into those subclassifications because they want to break certain rules because that's the wine they want to make. Right. <clears throat> so. right. Yeah, and that's what a lot of... Uh, we can talk about that more when we get to uh, Tuscany. We talk about yeah. Super Tuscans mm-hmm. and how like those wines are just labeled as like table wine even though they mm-hmm. will go for like two hundred dollars a bottle easily yeah um but uh yeah, and they don't have a doc or docg categorization but yeah for yeah what did you want to know about valpolicella because i looked it up on the i have the like the there's a um the guild like compendium yeah is what they call it isn't just an app and um so yeah so like the minimum so there's like all right so anything labeled valpolicella doc has a minimum alcohol of 11%. For superiori, it's 12. Mm-hmm. Um, minimum total acidity is 5 grams per liter for everything. Aging requirements. So the superiori has to be aged for a minimum of one year uh, from January 1st of the year following the harvest. Mm-hmm. So you make <clears> the wine in whatever, the, like October, November, you know, wait till January. A year after that is uh, when you can release it, I guess. And then there's a, the, a minimum planting density, maximum yields, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, right. If you get 13 tons per hectare instead of 12 tons per hectare, 
you can't write that on your label. Yeah. If you do, you get in really fucking big trouble. Yep, yep, yep. Oh, I just found so. I, I I just found the website for um the producer that I'm drinking. Mm-hmm. Like a website with a bunch of information about them, and they have a bunch of like they have a bunch of information, which is really cool. Um, and I really like this wine, so I'm I'm bringing this up because I just want to recommend it, the Buglioni. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a they have a a a, a Recioto uh, del Valpolicella that they call uh, Il Narcista, mm-hmm. <laughs> Narcissista, which I just think is mm-hmm. a very fun name for a wine. Yeah, <laughs> the narcissist. Yeah. Sorry, I just wanted to throw that little aside in there. I was also they also have a bunch of information about that stuff, the the, the Valpolicella rules as nice. part of this because it's um because they're Valpolicella producers, so they want to yeah talk about it. Dude, this this is pretty cool that um the Mac oh no that's min- I thought it was maximum mm-hmm. never mind it said planting density I thought it was I thought it said maximum planting density and it was thirty three hundred vines per hectare I was like that's really far apart uh, but, that's the minimum um, that's the that's the minimum yeah. That makes sense. Point. Yeah. So yeah. something that, um, like, I mean, just to warn the, again, to warn the studious listener, we're going to like do all of this at our own discretion. But with any AOC or DOC we look up and talk about, it would probably behoove uh, the listener <laughs> to go read about it themselves because in every single case, like if you if you actually know the wine laws of Spain, Italy, France. Well, just those three. If you know yeah. all of their wine laws, like you actually know them, you probably should look into becoming like an executive psalm or something along that lines. Because uh, otherwise, you're just wasting your time. And also, that's like really niche information because there's so much. Like yeah. in Spain and Italy, if you know all of the laws in Italy, that's insane. There are just so many. And there are so many subregions and little, little rules like that. Like Valpolicella is probably like mid-sized or like like decently well known. You can find Valpolicella at any at any reasonable wine mm-hmm. shop. Um, but like, oh, that was something I was going to mention. I couldn't find a bottle of Sagrantino. Like, uh, yeah. Just, oh, that's going to be cool. Yeah. I'm excited about that. Yeah, yeah I'm going gonna, gonna gonna to try to look around somewhere esoteric. else, but like. No, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I know of it, and I was kind of, like, mm-hmm. bummed that they didn't have one, but then I was like, well, yeah, I mean, they've got, like, eh, they've got the ones that make sense, but, like, but, yeah, like, yeah, the rules yeah. surrounding, um, yeah, the rules surrounding, like, different, different regions of Nebbiolo and different regions of all of these things is, like, Italy, Italy makes more wine than anyone else in the world, like, it's the biggest wine producer in the world, and they have, uh, sort of to go along with that the most kind of bizarre and like not bizarre but like just like big collection of different regions doing different things that all are technically you know fall under that whole doc like set of rules so yeah i forget uh the the number of like just like native uh grapes that italy has is like it's like like thousands or something like that. I think it's above three thousand. I think there are yeah, more yeah. than three thousand varietal uh, varietals of wine grape, of vinifera something wine like grape two, that are recognized. Two or three thousand or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's wild. Um, yeah, yeah. But oh yeah. So do you want to just describe? I mean, we should do a better job of this in the future in terms of like 
organizing uh, whatever when we yeah. when we record what when, but just sort of since people you know, unless they were super proactive and went out and got a bottle, you know, mm-hmm. um, because the like the flavors associated with these wines because um, because of that drying process, you do tend to get more. Um, more of like sort of dried fruit or like baked yeah. fruit aromas, just from yeah. like the the extra ripening and the and the and the, the drying sort of so yeah. like you get I don't know, you, you don't get prunes and raisins. Yeah, and, you get like the tannins that you get out of prunes and raisins because there's a very specific like tannin character to a raisin. Um, mm-hmm. that's pretty woven into the sugars at that point. So it's one of the things mm-hmm. that um, Valpolicella is fantastic and it's affordable, but Mm-hmm. to really experience like the kind of magical thing that happens to the interrelationship between tannins and uh and complex sugar compounds mm-hmm. and i don't even know if they're sugar compounds but they're they're amarone is amazing because it has this sweetness and it's the sweetness that's yeah. pretty much contained within the tannin structure of the wine mm-hmm. um or it, it i at least have always experienced it as so interrelated to that that like i assume there's some relationship between those molecules um, but Valpolicella is, it's, it's very drinkable red wine. It's sort of like, you know, it's not even as heavy in theory as like a, as like a big cab. Mm-hmm. Um, or certainly. Well, I mean, in terms of like, like how full body it is or whatever. Yeah. Just in terms of like palate weight overall, but it has mm-hmm. this, it, it has this incredibly, yeah. Like it's it, the tannin structure of Valpolicella is like the woodwork on an antique armoire or something. You know, it's yeah. like like incredibly intricate and obviously all done by hand. And you can see the wood grain, and it has this texture that's like a mix of the original varnish and then just like the years and years of like hands running over like the the parts that are near like where the handles and stuff. Like mm-hmm. Valpolicella's tannin structure feels like that, where it's just this incredibly intricate and deeply um deeply matured thing that uh yeah that has a lot to do with that drying process for sure Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it's it's a cool um it's a cool tangent that i was that i was thinking about because in that that post i wrote today about Mm -hmm. structure oh yeah i talk about you know whatever tannins acid sugar i haven't posted yet but uh, i'm gonna do it tomorrow morning but Oh yeah, tannins, acid, We're super sugar, organized. <laughs> and then, and then, like I said, like body was sort of like a fifth one, but that's more of like a description of, like sort sort of the other things. Like it's sort of its own yeah. thing. It's sort it's of it's a not, description but, of the relationship between those things, kind of taken as a whole. Yeah, yeah, sort of. But you know, but then I was like, yeah, I mean, you can have, you can have. I was like, it's not necessarily the sum of the of the parts because you can have, take like Barolo. It's like a relatively light bodied wine with very high acid and very high tannins, and it can have like medium to like medium plus alcohol and it's pretty light yeah whereas you could have like a like a like a a, a really rich zinfandel or uh like a, a rich like merlot or something from bordeaux mm-hmm. where it's like you know whatever 12 percent alcohol and kind of like low acid kind of low tannins and it's really full-bodied so you're like all right okay. well it's kind of separate but not really it has a lot to do with other things so yeah um it's what? like sort of viscosity. It's sort of yeah. texture. It's just a whole different fucking I thing. I think the the one that I would claim is like, and this isn't even this isn't really right, mm-hmm. but 
the two indicators that I think will like clue you in that you're going to drink a pretty hefty wine mm-hmm. are alcohol mm-hmm. and color saturation. Like if you can't see through the wine at all and like you don't really mm-hmm. see a whole lot of like if the color you see is like purple or very very deep red, yeah. like garnet. And you can't see through it. Mhm. Then it's going to be hefty. Whereas like yeah. um whereas like pinot there are plenty of pinots out there that you can like see through. Maybe you couldn't read like newsprint through it, but you can see mm-hmm. sort of through it, you know. Yeah. And then you drink it, and you're like, "Whoa, this has got like a lot of heft to it right now." Mm-hmm. But that's in the world of pinot, where it's like pinot can be so light that you're like, "What am I drinking? Fucking right? What am I drinking?" <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is no, it can be it can be yeah. cool. And- one of the yeah, things that's Pinot oh, super diverse. Yeah, one of the things that's great about Italy, like Pinot, it's it's part of why people love Pinot Noir so goddamn much. Um, and acidity mm-hmm. plays a like acidity plays a huge role in all of that. But I think it can be, I think acidity as a thing you perceive in wine is one that you have to sort of get used to describing. It's like under yeah, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it, that is like one of those. Um, it's like how you can describe rhythm to people relatively quickly with music, but then describing mm-hmm. like subtler chord variations is harder to yeah. like say that to somebody, and then they'll be able to identify it themselves. Right, um, and that's right. kind of where I think acidity lives in the mm-hmm. realm of wine. But yeah, um, yeah, but yeah, like Italy's it's great a- because because of all of the like rules about DOC and DOCG, you can drink a bunch of like Barberas or a bunch of Valpolicellas and have like more of an expectation about where they're generally going where the window is going to live right in terms right. of weight mm-hmm. that's tr- yeah true to an yeah. extent in spain as well i, I would right. say but yeah yeah france can be the, quite uh, complicated with that I, I, yeah yeah it's a little all over the map but i mean i don't it's, it's hard to say yeah there's a lot of producer variation like everywhere yeah and well in france can be confusing because you'll have like cote de rones that are some are basically all Syrah, and then you move down the Rhone, and they're basically all Grenache or what you know, whatever their like mm-hmm. specific subregions rules are. So like the sub A AOC laws in France can result in a very sort of different like thing because of like which mm-hmm. grapes are getting used at all. Whereas in in Italy, I think it, at least from what I found. Personally, in terms of like what you will see it at, at a standard wine shop for below twenty five bucks, you can mm-hmm. make more kind of informed guesses. Whereas like, and that yeah. I think in the the, the the price point plays a big role in like what you can expect. But there can be I think more confusion with something like the Rhone or the Loire in France, mm-hmm. because like those are both pretty big areas. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. And I guess it's easy. Like if you were blind tasting and you're doing like, this happened to me before, where if someone gives you like a Barolo or a Barbaresco, and then you have, um, let's say a um, one from like the the the, the mountains. So like mm-hmm. not Barolo Barbaresco, but um, Valentino Superiore. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, Valtellina Superiore. Uh, let me double check, make sure that's what it is. That's where they grow Barolo. I mean, they go Nebbiolo in the, in the mountains. Yeah, yeah. 
So it's like a more alpine thing. Mm. Um, you you can tell the difference, and it's pretty distinct. Not that you can't tell the difference between like Pinot grown in Sancerre and Pinot grown in Burgundy and Champagne and stuff. Yeah. But I mean, like Nebbiolo is really like not grown outside of Piedmont, and like Norello Moscolese is not really grown outside of Sicily, and Sangiovese is like grown in Tuscany. He's grown other places, but like not really. Like it's 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 pretty much you know it's it's pretty well isolated. Whereas you know. Chardonnay is planted like all over France. Oh yeah, and there's a bunch of Chardonnay in Italy. Like in Italy yeah, too, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um so yeah, in terms of like like, you know, really being able to nail down a region. Like if I'm doing a blind tasting and I'm like, okay, I think this is Sangiovese, I'm not like, oh, where in Italy could this be? It's like, oh, like where in Tuscany is it? You know. Yeah, it, I so, Italy's geography is so particular it, because it's yeah. all a peninsula. Um Yeah, yeah. Except for the very northernmost parts. And then, so the easiest parts of Italy to confuse are all the stuff that's on the northern borders where you mm-hmm. get stuff like, um, like way out east you get, uh, oh, what's that varietal? I really like it, um, but I forget what it's called now. Um, Friulano. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's delicious. Really cool wine. Um, and more, more like definitive because it's off on the eastern side so you're looking at Mm -hmm. like it's right next to slovenia and you're you're like unless you're friends with a really interesting distributor you're probably or importer you're probably not drinking a whole bunch of slovenian wine but you might be able to find friuli um or friulano um but then if you're on the western north side of italy you're you know, you're up in areas where they're growing stuff that can be. Con- they're growing Pinot Noir. And they're growing. They're growing stuff that mm-hmm. you might confuse with their neighbors. Mm-hmm. Whereas really once you're down on the boot of Italy, the geography is all so particular that they're growing things. Like Nebbiolo, Nebbiolo is the best example, I think, because it, that's that's one of those varietals that everyone wants to be able to grow. Like every wine region yeah. in the world would love yeah. to be able to be the place where you can also grow Nebbiolo. And as far as I know, it hasn't quite happened yet. Maybe Virginia will yeah. prove me wrong, but uh, <laughs> we'll see, Mike. Yeah, but but um, it, it's, it's one of the things that makes yeah. drinking Italian wine so much fun because mm-hmm. because it is like it. It's not like there's there's general Italian pride, but there's like there's just from the wines themselves, you get the sense of like how proud the people in different little parts of Italy are oh, yeah. of what they do. Yeah. That's it's a cool thing. Yeah. yeah. On the uh, so yeah, I think the so yeah. How would you do? You want to just give like a basic like flavor profile on these, just to so we can get a general like. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Do, do you want to do you want to do yours? Sure. Um, I'm getting like uh, like it's got a lot of like black currant, um, sort of cassis notes. Um, like dark, sort of uh, less sweet fruits. So like, um, I don't know, like the flavor of blackberry without the sweetness. Uh, so black raspberry, mm. sort of like black raspberry type okay. dark yeah, black yeah. fruit kind of mm-hmm. uh, fruit tones that are definitely there. But the defining characteristic, I would say, of like the palate experience is the tannin structure, mm-hmm. which is just a sort of broad medium grit experience right down the center of the tongue um mm-hmm. 
not super drying like to the cheeks or anything but like mm-hmm. uh but enough acidity to hold all of those tannins together and keep them articulate but it's certainly mm-hmm. not like the finest gr- grit tannins i i tend to think of tannins as like sandpaper like mm-hmm. like this is like a medium grit like this is not your this is not your last pass kind of thing yeah. um which is one of the cool yeah. things about amarone because the tannins in amarone are super fine um yeah but so yeah, like medium grit tannins that really like that that are all of those like catch points, you know, on the on the grit, all the places that you feel are where the flavor mm-hmm. is living. So like those black raspberries, currants. Um, there's another one that I'm trying to trying to articulate, and it's it's escaping me. Oh, it's it's almost almost like an anise thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But yeah, a very like. A very centralized flavor experience but then there's sort of a mouth a, a really nice sort of wash to to the whole like it's not like another hypertonic wine that would like dry your whole mouth out like it's mouth watering except down the very core of the tongue um yeah uh, right. just a very like nice. very very wonderful like you know medium plus body red wine kind of mm-hmm. profile yeah, yeah, I'd say uh, so on the Tomasi. The uh, I guess I'll start with the the Valpolicella, similar to, to what you're drinking. Um, mm-hmm. This cool. This yesterday. So I mean, so I opened it yesterday and had yeah. a little bit yesterday and today, and I'm I'm glad I did. Um, so it's the the fruit showing a little bit more now. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it has. Um, it's interesting. It has more of like a like a, a fleshy ripe. Uh, like dark red fruit, so I, so I'm thinking is like uh, like like a kind of like a Bing cherry or like okay, a, yeah, like a nice ripe plum, not necessarily like plummy flavors, but that like juicy like texture, like if, like a it, like know. a red flesh plum or an Italian, plum. Yeah, okay, yeah, 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 red flesh plum, but uh-huh. it's it's weird like how it smells when you bite into it. Mm. Oh yeah, you that's a, that's a, so like the flesh, so that's a, that's one that I would actually like to apply to mine is like the the skin mm-hmm. of a plum. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's yeah. like when, right when you bite into it, and the the aromas from the from the like meat of it rise up and mm-hmm. mix with the the taste of the flat, like the little bit sour taste of the flesh. You yeah, know? yeah. I, That's I, what, I love that. <laughs> so oh, it's delicious. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So this, yeah. So it has that. It's a whole bunch of like coffee and oh, yeah. like the prune yeah. dried fruit sort of thing. The, like it's bittersweet like, chocolate, um, like that. The, 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 yeah, the, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. That flavor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it it does have this like vague sort of like perfumed floral like purple flower kind of thing mm-hmm. which I know is kind of like a like a bullshit sort of it's like saying white flower when you're talking about you know uh, like white wine or something it, but, yeah um, but you know those these, these yeah. things it's yeah, like any cliche they exist yeah. because they yeah. are true <laughs> right right it's just yeah, nice when you um, encounter the truth of them because then you can be like, ah, yeah, all right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, you're like, all right, I'll, I'll give that one a pass. Yeah. But this is cool. Um, yesterday it had a lot more. So it had, you know that like, if you have like reduction on, you know, reduction on like uh, white and reds is like, is very different. And yeah. On like, to like, for example, Chardon Pinots. For me, Pinots, like, I, sometimes I can mistake like a wine being uh like like a like a really deeply like toasted barrel like maybe like a medium plus toast barrel on a wine and just mm-hmm. like reduction yeah 
And so I think this, when I opened it yesterday, I was like, well, this smells like a lot of, like, toasty oak. And then I thought about it, and I was like, there's no way they knew, they used, like, new, like, French toasted barrels on this. like that, And they sold it for, like, $15. Like, that's insane. So I looked it up, and I was like, oh, no, they used, like, all, like, 65 hectoliter, like, Slavonian oak barrels. Like, okay, so oh, that's not yeah. the case. So yeah, yeah. It must be, you know, like, that's ridiculous. So who knows how old the barrels are and stuff, but... So I'm like, all right, there has to be some sort of property of the wine. So then I was like, all right, well, if it's reduction, then tomorrow it won't be as intense. And that was the case. I'm like, all right, so now I know cool. it has some reduction to it. Yeah. And uh, that's cool. And then on the palate, same thing you were saying with, like, sort of the medium grit sandpaper tannins all along the mm-hmm. tongue. And for me, like, on the roof of my mouth, too, which I don't always get. But um, really, like, concise and uh it, like whenever i describe something like people like my sister or any of my friends listening to this who don't know like what does it mean that the wine tastes concise you know oh mm-hmm. but it's it's very uh i don't god i don't know like it's uh it's like describing what a like a, what a color is like without using other colors as references no but uh, but it's a good word like it's a it, it is it is because and it's the great thing about like yeah i well it's it, it's it's like the acid comment. It's one yeah. of those things that you know. I think it's okay to like put it out there, and it's something that I I have this theory. This is maybe going to turn into a tangent. So cut me off if it feels like it is. But okay. I have this <laughs> I have this theory with like um, learning curves, where there's stuff mm-hmm. that you do at the beginning that is very very mm-hmm. basic. And it's and it's like it feels so boring, but you have to do it to progress. Right, just exercise. Yeah, exercise stuff. And then and the whole time you're doing that stuff, you're thinking about this like more intricate work that you're interested in, and you want to get to yeah. how they do that. And then in the process of getting to that, like you finally get to those first couple flourishes, and you feel like you've 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 gotten to where you can use them. You know, like mm-hmm. these like techniques or clever little tricks that you know like in poetry it would be like using not just like rhyming schemes but also like assonance and consonants to create like you know um stresses in 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 words like different like alliterative properties to use every part of a word to rhyme with stuff but then you get past that and you kind of go back to the stuff that you started with because like the most interesting stuff you can do is supposed to be pretty fundamental and you realize that what you were learning that was most fundamental those relationships are still really important and now you can work on them with all of this other stuff that you've learned but you've you've gotten back to this place where you forgive yourself for being so like exhausted by the learning process because the that basic stuff is really important really fundamental and what the term you're using for the wine like concise is one of those terms that like is really like a a good term for like that's a term that i really like to hear from someone Mm -hmm. when they're drinking wine that i won't get to try because Mm -hmm. that tells me quite a bit about it Mm -hmm. but it's in that middle space where you're learning like really complicated stuff that you're excited about when you start out but it's not like it it doesn't actually describe the like it's it's a like you use it but then like to describe what you're what you're to use to describe it itself you have to move into that third space of like going back to the fundamentals 
and doing right. a lot more work back in the like you know on the stepping it's a you know it's it, it's not like it's a very roundabout kind of like overly philosophical way of talking about it. but like i i, I take no, your I think, meaning i think i think it's a really good point i i just don't want us to worry too much about like explaining ourselves right now yeah because yeah. right th- that's something that i also don't like it's the main thing that i, I like I don't know about you. I spent twenty one dollars on this bottle of wine, and I, it's a bottle of wine yeah. that I would tell anyone like, "Go drink it." If you if there's something about it you don't understand, look up Valpolicella and learn some stuff about it. Like, listen to this. Oh, totally. Listen to this episode of this podcast because I think anyone can enjoy this, and you're only 20, 20 bucks in the hole for it. Yeah. And that's the whole thing that like we keep talking about. Like, it's about like your level of investment in wine it's mm-hmm. like i don't think people have to invest a whole lot to really enjoy wine and have an interesting time with it yeah and i th- yeah totally yeah yeah these yeah these wines that i both got were like 15 bucks each also and um yeah it's um yeah so the, what, what sort of what you were describing um trying to remember it was i think with ten, the similar thing tying into what i was talking about in the post about tannins where i do describe yeah like i'm like all right so tannins right Mm-hmm. People say, "Oh, they're velvety, or they're uh, juicy, or they're crunchy, or they're suave, or like, what, like fine <laughs> grit, or like what? What does any of this fucking mean? Vel- like most, can most be of good. those yeah. don't. Yeah, I was like, well, most of those don't mean anything to me. Yeah, but some do, and just because they don't make sense to me doesn't mean they don't to somebody else. Crunchy but, is probably so, the best of any of those to actually describe. Crunchy is great. Yeah. I love crunchy tans. But then you're like, but like at one point I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And then I had enough t- had enough wines. And I thought about, tried to think about them in that sort of like synesthetic way or whatever. Yeah. And talking to enough people. And you're like, oh, okay. So like crunchy isn't like, what does that mean? Like how is a liquid crunchy? You're like, no, no, you know, like, and I, I still, it, it like, it, it doesn't make sense to try to explain it. It's like. Well, it's like describing uh, something as dry. It's the best one. Yeah. It's, like, it's a liquid. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> the defining yeah. characteristic of the thing you're talking about is wetness. Exactly. <laughs> like, right. what the fuck would you use so, the word dry? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So one one thing I sort of uh, had a um, had a, a sort of like a not like an aha moment, but I was like, oh wow, I didn't I didn't realize that I like that was well put of me to help me understand tannins. Uh, was I was like, all right, yeah. So sort of the um, like how coarse the tannins are is similar to like a grade of sandpaper, mm-hmm. but that but like to further complicate matters, that doesn't refer to the intensity. So I think about the intensity to think about how like how yeah. hard somebody would be pushing down on the sandpaper while you're sanding something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So, you, so you can... Like, or you just like how good of a sander are you lightly. using? Like if you're using a belt sander right. versus a radial sander. Right, right. Or even even like, you know, uh, I guess more like elementary than that or primitive than that is just like if you're holding a piece of like... Yeah, yeah, know, yeah, yeah, yeah. 40 for sandpaper sure. and you're just lightly going on it. You're like, I, you could do that. Yeah. I don't know why you would, but you could do that versus like going real hard with the 300. Well, and, and that, and, no, but, but exactly what you say, like, you don't know why you do that, but that's like totally the thing with like, uh, Amarone versus Valpolicella. It's like, yeah. it's all about the grape you have to work with. So like, and that's, that gets into extraction with, with, mm-hmm. uh, winemaking practices. When some people who make Cabernet Sauvignon want tannin expression from that. And you have to make mm-hmm. wine pretty diff, like if, you, but or if you don't, you have to make big mm-hmm. different wine making decisions. Yeah. When you get the fruit, and that like that you only get to make that decision one time 
And if it doesn't go yeah. the way that you want, then all you have to work with are finishing tannins. Or they come in a bag, and you know, mm-hmm. that's a whole different crapshoot. Like you can, you can, you know, you can put a wine together in a lab, but that's tannins are probably the best case to be made for why minimal intervention is best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But totally, what you're saying—that's such a good description of like how hard you're pressing with the sandpaper in terms of the amplitude of the sand or in terms of the amplitude of tannins because that is a yeah, very real character trait because I was trying to think I was like alright do I say it's like a TV with static and the static is coarser and finer yeah. and the, the intensity is like how loud the TV is I was like eh well, why like, don't I just stick with the sandpaper like thing, gain you know? on an amp would be probably good yeah 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 um, like feedback yeah yeah but it's, it's, it's like you know, pick whatever the way is that you understand it best, or something. Like yeah, that. yeah. So, um, but we're but we're, yeah, so we're, we're home improvement type guys. We're thinking we're we're on the wood shop. <laughs> we are on the wood shop. We're thinking about but, we're uh, thinking about rubbing down some nice oh, yeah. slabs. <laughs> slabs of what? It's up to you. Mm, my guy. Yeah. <laughs> Roll the dice today. <laughs> Snake eyes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like oh god all right and i have to put on like the muck boots and like go out to the shed (laughs) anyway so but the the apron back on yeah the the, so the rosa veronese now yeah it's like it's um let me look up the wine the wines the the, the fruit the red fruit tones are coming out more as this wine opens up I think the longer it's open, the more I'm getting like, like black cherry, you know, tones moving into mm. like those, you know, uh, like red, red raspberries and black raspberries, and then like somewhere in mm-hmm. between, like Marion berries. Maybe not blackberry specifically, but like Logan Marion berries. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Oh, this one this is, is really uh, good. Oh, uh, by the way, uh, the this one's crazy. The producer I was telling you about, mm-hmm. uh, the Italian winemaker guy that I was having that conversation with, uh, um, well, we'll talk to you later about it. It's just a uh, just okay. I, I want you to keep an eye out for those wines because I actually really want to try them. Um, and I've, I've never seen them. Wait for for which ones? Uh, oh, these ones you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think the okay. The name of the label like I, I i i feel awkward about like stating it here because like i'm sure they're great yeah it's then, but, so then don't yeah yeah but i i, I, I i've never actually had the wine because like the he, okay. he gave us a couple bottles but we put them in a cellar so like we haven't drunk them yet oh, okay yeah. cool yeah you can just text me also yeah but um, if you like he he gave us a bottle of his amarone but i, I want to try their oh, uh, nice. their other stuff and mm-hmm. you probably have a better chance of finding it than I do, but you know, yeah. like we were talking yeah. about earlier, who knows what, what Italian wines we'll be able to get hold of here in the next couple yep. of years? Yeah, yeah. Oh man. Yeah. So this one, I was wondering. I was like, yeah. This, so this doesn't smell as this. This this smells more like straightforward in in terms of so that the the. Uh, Rosso Veronese so oh, yeah, yeah. more like kind of like like straightforward in terms of um, like this is the fruit this is um, it doesn't smell as like did you get liqueur like 
what is it called? Which one? La Quatra? What? No, what is it no. Uh, the the producer is Gamba, G A M B A. Mm-hmm. And then Rosso, R O S S O, uh, Veronese, V E R O N E S E. Uh, yeah. Which which one did you get? Camp Campadel. Oh, the the Campadel. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. There it is. Yeah. Nice. Um, that is a dark label. <laughs> yeah. That's a. That is like a Sith wine. <laughs> <laughs> it is, man. Yeah. So it's um, but yeah. So it's the fruit's really pure. I mean, you you, you still smell some like dried fruit, mm-hmm. but it's. It just seems more concentrated and less, like, open, and it smells, honestly, less, um, I mean, like, it's, it's, I mean, I've read it now, so it makes sense, and so what I'm going to say sounds like I'm saying the answer because it is, but it smells like it has, like, it's had less oxygen exposure, Mm. and, um, so in that way, it's, it smells more like, it just smells really, like, tightly held together and not as uh like like i want to say like more pure in terms of it smells more like just the fruit yeah like just the fermented fruit and that's it there's no like it's not like the, it, it's not complex enough it's that it's it's just fresher i guess yeah. so i guess that's really the only way i can put from it from what i'm seeing corvina is the overlap varietal and then Rosa Veronese can also include Barbera and Sangiovese, along with Cab Franc and Cab Sauve. I think it can have them in there. Yeah, too. that's what I'm. That's but yeah. The, that's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you know? Do you I know think, what um, the varietal breakdown of the one you're drinking is? Yeah, it's forty percent Corvina, um, forty percent uh, Corvinone, and twenty percent um, uh, Croatina. Oh, cool. That's so it's yeah. no, so there's no cabernet and stuff in there, so it's all Italian grapes. Yeah, was Croatina? But, um, does that come? Is that a? I've not. I'm not. I mean, these are all things that like. I would assume from its name that it's like because it's near Croatia. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. probably. I mean, that's a that's a that's a good guess. Uh, Croatina grape. Um. Red Italian wine grape used as grown predominantly in uh, the Oltrebo Pavese region of Lombardy in the uh, province of... uh, Piacenza. 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 Um, This is a perfect example of the the DOC thing we were talking about. Because then it breaks down into which DOCs allow the use of... Are allowed to use it. ...Croatina. And then there's, like, Mm -hmm. percentage windows of, like, between 25 and 40%, which is fascinating if you think about, like... Mm-hmm. There's a specific it's DOC crazy, where man. you have to use a certain amount, but you can't use over a certain amount of this weird right. varietal. <laughs> right. That's very. It's, it's fascinating. It's, it's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really cool. Um. But yeah, I guess it just it just smells fresher, mm-hmm. and it's hard to describe. Mm-hmm. Um, to people like, oh yeah, no, this you, you can tell this was like fermented in cement or yeah. stainless, or it's been what's aged. The, what's in the vintage? Or, you know, uh, this is a 16, mm. but their like fact sheet on here just makes me think it's the same. Although they're yeah. making it the same every year, and uh, yeah, it says um, 
It says the grapes are harvested. The grapes harvest is carried out completely by hand after selecting only the very best grapes, blah, blah, blah. Placed in wooden trays and dried in a spe uh, special drying room for about 60 days. So that's a long time. So then it says yeah. the grapes are pressed at the end on November. I assume that means after fermentation. Uh, fermentation temperature, which is always controlled, is 20 degrees Celsius. Um, thanks to this winemaking process, the aroma is like the grapes are ke uh, kept and improved. Um, the wine's aged for 30 months in stainless steel tanks to keep the integrity and uniqueness of the wine. So it sees no oak whatsoever. Yeah, so that wine which is had wild. barely, like, you're getting it, like, not long after it probably got bottled. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. I mean, it's, it's especially for the, how the wine is made and stuff, it's not like a tannic monster. Right? Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. I mean, it is... It is tannic, well, it, but the tannins are all really fine. And that's a, but that's a very good like sort and of. They're all like. Oh, sorry. Oh, uh, I was gonna just say that what you're saying sounds like a good insight into, like, the huge role that barrels and wood tannin really play in like. Oh yeah. Like usually, like, I would say, making tannin tannin structure more obvious. Like tannin structure, when it's just from the grapes themselves, mm -hmm. tends to be pretty fine. Like if you have a lot of stems involved, that's going to be different, and that all has to do with like winemaking, you know, practice and stuff. But, but uh, I, I like, I tend to be impressed with the tan the, the the downside of that winemaking style is that there tends to be a lot of manipulation for the creation of like heavier tannin structure or like more complicated mm -hmm. tannin structure. So. If they're working with grapes that can provide that by themselves, and they just trust yeah. that, then they can work out. No, it's 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 great. It's it's really cool. I mean, they say like it can be aged up to 15, 20 years. I mean, yeah. I don't know about that, but um, it's it has the 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 like concentration. Yeah, I think I found the tech sheet you were talking about. Yeah, I love I love their label. It's so. Oh, it's great. <laughs> It's the most like we didn't we don't fucking care yeah. and we're not trying like doesn't matter like, yeah just slapping the name on the bottle bam well bam yeah. but no it, it does like tannins are they're concentrated and they're well distributed and they're like they're strong but it's 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 reserved in terms of um, like it's not just totally cracking over the fucking head with them yeah but they're there and they're like confident yeah but they're not over over yeah like overbearing or anything and it's it's enough so that it will hold up to like anything you eat but also it's not too much where you can't just have a glass of it like it's a great bottle that's of wine. a very nice yeah that's a great balance i would so the one i have is from 2014 i don't know if i mentioned that but it um mm. it is just tannic enough where i wish i was ideally i'd be drinking this with food i'd like Right, I'm enjoying right. drinking it by itself, but that's because I'm like, you know, making a podcast about wine. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, yeah. And the kind of person that would do that. Uh, mm -hmm. Um, but ideally, this would pair well. This would pair, I think, amazingly with like uh, duck or um, mm -hmm. duck or uh, or or beef. Like I think you know something mm -hmm. something heavier or something with a lot of like spice to it. Um, yeah, yeah. 
Like I, I, I think even chicken, like I would be, I would be irritated with like, <coughs> oh bless you. Um, Thanks, man. I would, I would be irritated to eat like a chicken breast with this, not actively, mm-hmm. but like knowing this, knowing this wine. Uh, yeah, I would want to have it with like a porchetta, maybe, but like not yeah, just like yeah. a, not just like a pork loin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Amarone is great where it can. Oh, Amarone. If we could or, all just drink Amarone forever, all the time, oh, dude, no matter it's, it's what. It's so fucking good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's so it's good. It's one of the best. It's it's one of the most amazing things in the wine world. Like, it's just one of those things out yeah. there that you don't have to spend more than $70 on Yeah, to get something good. But then you can spend, like, right. whatever amount of money you want to. Like, but, but no matter what yeah. you do, it's going to be... Bet. It's one of those few wines where, like, I'm like, yeah, you spent ninety bucks in that bottle. It's gonna be amazing. Like, right. I, yeah, I, I yeah. like. It's gonna be better than the thirty five dollar bottle, but, right. um, they're both like that. It that's a moot point. It's all gonna be just great. 